0: Hello and welcome to Dyslexics Wanted, celebrating the unique strengths and creativity, so often the hallmark of people with dyslexia. This is Jordan Rich, and the Web Innovation Center for Dyslexia is inviting you to join this podcast. If you or someone you care about has a story to tell, we'd consider featuring it right here on the Dyslexics Wanted podcast. Send us your story, email us, jordan at chartproductions.com, or call and leave a message, 781-356-1500. Almost Perfect Glass is a hot glass studio powered by solar energy in Cambridge, Massachusetts. The owner and master glass blower is Andy Magnats. And as you'll hear, Andy's story is like so many others we profile. He was told he wouldn't make it. He wouldn't succeed. He was made fun of because of his difficulty reading and writing. But Andy found that his love of art and design and crafting and making things and the fact that he just was so darn talented enabled him to rise above the hardship of dyslexia and proved to himself and others that he was certainly capable of much success. You're very successful, and people love your work and all that. How does one get into the glassblowing game to begin with?
1: Well, for me, it came about in a very circuitous way. Um, I'd gone to um, lab school in a small town in Wisconsin um, at the University of Wisconsin at River Falls. And I was not a successful student, had no idea why. And so I went to, uh, when I graduated from high school, I went to trade school as a, as a tool and die maker. And uh, while I was in trade school um, in 1970, the Kent State killings happened. And uh, I um, was in the, uh, in the cafeteria and they announced the killings and the place broke into applause in favor of the National Guard shooting the students. And I thought, my God, that's terrible. And so I went home to the small town I was in, and I was at a bar, and my junior high school art teacher from the college um, had come in and sat down at a bar stool next to me and said, "Andy, uh, I haven't seen you in years. What are you up to?" And he go, and I say, "Well, I told him that story." And he says, "Well, gee, you know, I just started this glass blowing program at the college. You should come and and uh, and check it out, and maybe it's something you'd like to do." And I went the next day, and I've been blowing glass ever since.
0: <laughs> wow. um,
1: but The main thing for that was that um, I was certainly, um, due to my dyslexic stuff, um, not college track <laughs> when, I, when I left high school. And so glass, um, falling in love with, uh, with the process of making glass and both the community— um, it took me on a path that was totally unexpected, mm. and I ended up with uh, an undergraduate degree and two master's degree, and ended up being a, a professor at the Rochester Institute of Technology for the School for American
0: Craftsmen circuitous but beautiful path to success. I want to just do one thing before we get into the blowing community. I'm fascinated by that. And that's have you talk a little bit about your early days pre-college when you were struggling with dyslexia and in terms of school and also social. How was that for you?
1: Um, it was it was difficult um, because I felt, I didn't feel like I was not smart. I felt like I was able to, able to, uh, basically intellectually keep up with anybody verbally um, that I, you know, in terms of my friends and and in terms of um, just so socially and even interacting with adults. I had mm. uh, pretty successful um, interactions with people. But in terms of writing and reading, um, it was a complete confusion to me because I could not, no matter how hard I tried, um, have any success or make any headway in terms of uh, of, of progressing um, and keeping up in my mm. basically in my student you know in my student work, mm. so that was very very frustrating. And because of that, basically uh, from elementary school through high school, I felt like I was kind of pigeonholed. And uh, and socially, it was awkward, even though I was very good friends with some of the you know the top. Students in my classes, but I was very fluid in in being able to uh, be socially with the kids in my shop class and the kids in my in my other you know regular academic work.
0: Right, right.
1: But there was always an embarrassment about uh, if I had to ever read anything out loud or or have anything that I wrote read out loud or anything like that was mm. particularly bad. Um, my my reading uh, i have been able to overcome but my writing is still you know is just uh,
0: absolutely abysmal (laughs) but that that has not stopped you from being the man you are and i wanted to go back to the high school days and the pre-high school days you mentioned shop class i mean i'm the guy who couldn't put two pieces of wood together to save my life (laughs) i don't have dyslexia did you find yourself gravitating towards kinds of activities that you had a natural uh, talent in it sounds like you did at that point oh yeah
1: absolutely absolutely Uh, you know, absolutely. I mean, the whole thing of, of having a background uh, in art and, and, and shop, and I was interested. My mind was always interested in building things. Um, even from a very small child, I was, I was, uh, you know, fascinated with how things worked and I couldn't pass a walking home from school. I couldn't pass a job site or a house being built without spending time Studying what the guys were doing, and I could—I would watch them. I would figure out what they were doing. They would, you know, they'd see me hanging around, and and oftentimes they'd ask me to do things like, you know, pick up the scrap wood or do something for them. You know, this I was four or five years old, probably. <laughs> My mom used to go crazy because she was always worried that I, when I didn't come home from school, mm. but I was always hanging out at some <laughs> job site. uh,
0: That's interesting, and uh, and
1: it was always successful for me in terms of um, you know making things. That's I really enjoyed the um, tool and die program. That was an incredible success for me because I wasn't pigeonholed, uh, you know, uh, intellectually from you know my experiences are being passed on in a small town. So when I went to Minneapolis to Dunwoody Industrial Institute, um, I had great. Um, academic success um, because I was starting from scratch on everything and also it wasn't a writing program it was all multiple choice questions and mm. math and and an actual physical performance of making things so that uh, that was a great experience for me even though I had that experience with the um, with the you know with the environment of, of, the, of necessarily the people at the
0: right, moment all right. over. Andy, oh. I, I love the name of your company and the website, com. I love that, Almost Perfect. <laughs> it, I think it says a lot about who you are and what you're doing. But I've uh, been meaning to come back to that first uh, segment. We talked about the community of glassblowers. What did you mean by that, and how has it sort of helped you, and how do you help others in that community?
1: Well, when I first started uh, glass blowing uh, as a studio movement was a really new thing. It started at the University of Wisconsin at Madison, and so it was a very small group of people. Um, you know, there were I think twenty programs over, spread out over the whole country at that time, which in comparison to other the other crafts or other studies is very small. So, in order to learn how to blow glass or, or express yourself as an artist working with glass. You had to work within the community and find other people. So we did a lot of traveling, driving all over the Midwest and to the East and West Coast to meet other people who were blowing glass. So there was a you know a great exchange of ideas. Um, And then the whole thing of of it being a small being in those programs at the University of Wisconsin River Falls, Madison, and then um, out at the California College of Arts and Crafts. I met a big large group of interesting people who were in the same pursuit um, of, of making, you know, inventing glass. And my kind of expertise from having a technical background was building the equipment as well as making glass. So I kind of spanned a whole uh, need of, uh, of my own intellectual interests, mm. but also um, I had both, I had a lot of people looking for me for technical information. So there was a lot of, uh, of shared uh, experience, and and so that built the community. And I was also involved in um, developing uh, a, a, a group called the Glass Art Society, which when I first was um, at the first one of the first or second meetings before it incorporated into a nonprofit organization, there were only 35 people, um, and now it's an international organization of maybe 25,000.
0: Let me ask you to comment on how you get through your your business day. You're the artist. You're the creator. I'm alluding to something. Your lovely yeah. bride, Susie, who's been so nice uh, getting back to me and setting up this interview. There are workarounds for any of us. I, I have them when it comes to math. <laughs> I have to have help. Yeah. What are some of the workarounds? Please talk about your wife because she seems like a doll. She really does.
1: Well, she is. She's uh, definitely a, we're, we're a true partnership. In terms of uh, having, uh, we have the same uh, interest in aesthetics and and so on, so that that makes us very compatible in terms of the work that we do.
0: But we definitely
1: have our divisions of labor. Um, she handles all our communication um, issues, and I and also takes care of running the books and so on, which leaves me to run um, the basically the art factory side and the in the in the teaching part of of what I do and uh, I do a lot of mentoring and, but Susie's very, very, uh, very social. And so she, she, we have quite a community of people here specifically in our, within our studio here. We're lucky enough to have
0: been in business
1: long enough to develop uh, uh, a pretty large facility um, in comparison to most artists. And then we were able to share that. Uh, We rent studio space to other artists, which Mm. adds to our community. And she keeps track of all of that bookkeeping and hmm. you know, different things like that.
0: Finally, Andy, any words of advice for young people or those parents with young students who are dealing with dyslexia? What would you like to tell them?
1: Okay, well, the, the main thing with, with dealing with a dyslexic child is to uh, work with them on their self-esteem. Uh, the main thing is that they, they need to feel like they have value and that the things that they're struggling with are not necessarily a, uh, uh, something that would should necessarily have to hold them back. They need to find something that they are attracted to and, and, and good at, and that they're not, uh, emotionally, uh, depressed by having, um, uh, a situation where they're, um, not valued for, for who they are. The best advice I ever had in terms of of dealing with dyslexia, because I didn't know I was dyslexic until I was uh, 24 years old, um, was that um, I had a person tell me, find something that you're interested in reading, and that will help you get through the stumbling of reading, because it made reading enjoyable, where all the intellectual kind of school type of reading was such such this, so disheartening. So to find something to to focus on for me was was uh, science fiction, and I read a tremendous amount of science fiction till a point where I was I was reading a stack a stack of books that were three feet tall. Where when I was in high school or whatever, I was afraid to read a single book that I never thought I'd get through. So finding something that you love to read or write about is the way, uh, was the way for me to uh, kind of get rid of some of the demons.
0: Thanks once again for listening to Dyslexics Wanted. We're seeking personal stories about your dyslexia journey and would love to hear from you. If you or someone you care about have a story to tell, we would consider featuring it on this podcast. Send the story to me, Jordan, that's J-O-R-D-A-N, Jordan at chartproductions.com. Chart is spelled C-H-A-R-T. We'd love to hear from you. Remember to subscribe, download, rate, and review this podcast, available on all major web platforms. And once again, for much more, visit WICD.org. That's WICD.org.